What's up, everyone? It's the interview queen Alicia Chu here, and be sure to watch True Heel Heat. Hello, True Heel Heat. I'm the AEW World Champion, MJF. Uh, just in case you're deaf, dumb, blind, stupid, or since you listen to this podcast, or uh, you're listening to True Heel Heat, and I apologize for that. This is the knockout artist, Chris Hero. And if you're looking for some true heel heat, you better listen to the boys. Hello, hello, hello. It is me. It is me, your true hill phenom, SP3. We are live. NJP in Osaka 2024 review, breaking down the show from this past weekend. And what a show it was. I am joined by my favorite NJPW fan around. You know her from Sanal's life. You know her from Ace Techers. It is Sanal. How are you doing? Yeah, we did almost lose you for a second. I thought, was it my internet? You cut out. I was like, do I speak? Can you hear me? But yeah, we are back. You you messaged me. You're like, can you do the preview? Like the review tomorrow? I was like, I can do it anytime. After a show like that, I, I will take time out of my working schedule to write, speak about this show. We appreciate that, Sonal, and thank you for always joining us here. But yeah, I, I had to call on you. Uh, Jay News couldn't make it uh, today. He's been uh, dealing with work. He's been a lot at work. Uh, he was talking about that during the preview. He's been dealing with a lot. So he had to work today. So I'm glad I got Sonal here with us here. Uh, we got, yeah, I see Fala B also saying we almost lost SP3 there. Yeah. I don't know what's been going on with my internet as of late. I'm gonna get the upgrade. I gotta get the upgrade too. Honestly, I was I was thinking I was like, wait, am I frozen? Are you frozen? Like, do I speak? Can people hear me? Because normally it's my internet that cuts But you heard me though, right? I was just frozen. No, 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 like completely. Like, oh, it's happened again. And this time I know it's SP3 cut off, not me. So I'm yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you what it is. 
it keeps happening on Mondays. I don't know if there's like a shortage in my in my internet on Mondays, but it seems like on Mondays when I try to do live streams, this happens a lot. There well, we go. now I know. Now I know, SPC, that it's your internet. If something happens, I can like try and do something, not just like spend like twenty seconds. Like, wait, is it me? Am I my frozen? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, we also got Vala B who says, Sanaa looks like a deer in headlights. <laughs> when it's it comes to internet, I never doubt it. Like, I was like, okay, it's obviously me, so people can't hear me. And I was like, wait, is that the truth? No, no, it is not the truth. It is, it is my wonky internet here in New York City that is the issue today. But we're still here. We're here to talk about it, but we'd appreciate y'all if you are joining us live. Appreciate y'all if you're watching us on demand. Remember to show that appreciation back the simplest way possible. Drop the thumbs up on this video. Share this video with all your wrestling fans, friends, and family on all your favorite social media platforms. If you're new to the True Hill Heat YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell to stay notified for all the great content here. And like Vala B, we already featured his comments. You can sound off in the live chat and we'll try to highlight as many of your comments as possible but it's also important guys to send a super chat donation why because we are a self-funded channel every little bit counts it goes back to the contributors that you see on screen with us here so we always appreciate that support and of course we will highlight your comment on screen with us here we got g loke in the chat he says so much to talk about so smash up the like because it's finna get good uh we also got uh peter in the chat who says the internet is falling apart like the njpw ring in that main event i no, was scared to death falling apart shall I tell you that bullet club war dogs are actually the baby faces because you know what they were doing they were helping the young lions deconstruct the ring so they had less to do after the show um i i i really i don't <laughs> want them to do that anymore because like i was scared to death with the boards yeah. popping up and like no, when they like stood like they stood on it and akira's foot went through it i was like shit he could have he could have he could have taken his ankle off like that could have taken his ankle off. who allowed this spot it could he could have stomped on it and the wood could have hit him in the back of the head and killed him never mind who who think who suggested doing this I don't know, but New like Japan it was fine. Is... I understand, like when you take, you know, like on the floor they take the mats off. I'm like, well, that I can sort of deal with. But yeah, let's just leave it at a one-time thing. Let's never have to see the boards again, unless it's a New Japan documentary with Kenta Sato showing us how the ring is built. Unless, unless you prepared the boards to do that spot. These boards were like it was like two sets of boards, like one half of the ring had a stack of boards like this and the other half of the ring had a stack of boards like this that's not the ring to pull apart the mat that's not the ring you have to go all the way you have to get the long boards that go all the way across <coughs> and then you can do that spot you can't do that spot with this type of board the, the what like the one moment where i was like yeah i think this might have gone a bit far yeah it took me out like like i i was like I think at like the 45, 50 minute mark, I really started noticing how long it was going. And at that point, I knew they were going an hour. And I was like, yeah. See, after you, I didn't do this. I shared this when it got to the 55 minute mark. I was like, wait, what? It's been 55 minutes? 
no, like- no, it, it, it's, it's, it's really, I like, I noticed the time calls and I was like, okay, it's going to go probably go an hour, but it's really good. Then the, the, the board spot, it kind of took me out and I noticed mm-hmm. that, that, yeah, it was going pretty, it, it went pretty long at the end, but we'll talk more about that when we get yeah, to the main We're not going to tell you everything yet. Yeah, yeah, we just- got to watch the entire stream for that teaser that's what we call a <laughs> teaser folks uh we got frantic world in the chat it says what's up sp3 sanal and chat brian versus dsj fire we also got dustin who says feels like we close to the season finale of the rainmaker era of new japan i mean i mean we this is something that we can discuss now before we get into the show yeah. but if you saw the cards being announced for the new beginning in Sapporo. <laughs> I'm sorry, I never looked at a card, Sanal, and be like, what the the fuck are you doing? You know what, this this is, if anyone follows me on social media, and you should, so it's at wrestling underscore chat. It's why I posted a comment earlier about Okada's, like, willingness to put over young talent, because there's been a lot of rumors going around saying that basically this tag match, specifically being lower than Tamatonga's farewell match, that this is basically New Japan, so there's been rumors that Okada has been unwilling to put over young talent and at first I was like that's stupid but looking back at everything that's happened like makes a bit more sense and it almost feels like New Japan are like fuck you like you you're leaving us you're not putting over new talent so that's all you're gonna get and if it's the case that Okada has been a bit of a dick like that fair enough give him that shitty tag match because you know what like that's shady because I think someone listed like the past stars, Jay put over young stars. Um, Osprey has put over young stars. I know Okada's Okada, but if you're leaving, you should still put over young stars. Not saying it has to be but like Fujita, like, but but like I I I feel like this like exit is very akin to Nakamura because Nakamura didn't put over anybody on his way out. He lost a tag mm-hmm. match. He lost a tag match to to Kenny. That was his way of heating up Kenny for we thought was going to be him losing the Intercontinental title and to Kenny Omega. It, but he just vacated it, and they just gave him they gave him his farewell on a house show. At he least with Okada, him. at least with Okada, they gave him two farewells. They gave they gave yeah, him in the, the middle the, of a card the, though. The Kurgan Hall farewell. They gave him uh, Osaka farewell, and Sapporo. He'll get kind of a farewell, but it's like damn and i i I understand that rumor and it does it does make sense and it does add up when i talked about last year Mm. was your was your opportunity for new japan and when i look back on everything okada put over three people naito sanada and osprey like it's like three stars were already established you know one thing i was listening to this was from last month super j casts um podcast about this and I don't normally listen to podcasts because I'm like, oh, it's probably a bit biased. But this idea, they went along with all of that. Think about it. He he was elevating the six-man tag titles. He could have done that with any of the young guys. Why did he pick Tanahashi and I- Ishii? Fine, I get it. Yeah. Chaos, like it makes sense. But no, no way would Gato have said like, or he might have. But no, so like the best case scenario would have been. Ishii Okada and like even a junior heavyweight, yeah, or like, like a, a yo. heavyweight, or like Shota or someone like, like I that. would say, like, yo, yeah, or yo, exactly. Especially with like 
the junior division at the moment, that would have been perfect. Also, isn't it a bit weird? Is I don't know if this happened with Nakamura, because obviously you probably have more like knowledge on this. The way he, it's obviously he's gone has been a lot more subdued. Like there was like the post, even the post was simple. No, it was it was pretty similar to Nakamura, like mm -hmm. them announcing the Nakamura leaving. And that's why a lot of people kind of immediately, if they were fans back then, they were like, oh, that means Okada's going to WWE. Because if he's going to, to AEW, they make more of a show about it like they just did with Osprey. Osprey got the whole big free agent signing with everybody. Then main Okada event, main event match with the main, He's, he's main evented all the way through. Like yeah. he he gets the announcement at full gear. He does the the big matchup at Wrestle Kingdom, third from the top. He main events battle in the valley. Then he's doing the main event here. Like it's constant. They constantly put him over and put him in top spots on the way out. Maybe because their exits are not similar. I think that Osprey let them know months ago, and Okada just let, let them let know, know last month. And also Osprey. Um, I obviously have accepted Osprey going because family and things, but Osprey genuinely seems very genuine. Genuinely seems very genuine about staying with New Japan, like in some sort. Whether it's the tattoos on his arm or that, pro and you know, like some people do it and it feels very false. But Osprey, nothing ever feels false about him. So when he said he's gonna, because he was honest, he was like, I don't know if it's gonna be in the future, near future, because I'm gonna have to sort myself out. But everything seemed like he still wanted this link with New Japan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the Okada does not seem like the same. And, you know, we touched on it yesterday on uh, Collision Discourse, the news that came out from Fightful Select that Okada is heading to AEW. And you would expect that in his AEW deal, it does give him that flexibility to work with other promotions, including New Japan Pro Wrestling. But we've got no indication. It feels like this is like a severance of the relationship more than him leaving to get a bigger paycheck somewhere else and he'll be back like Osprey. Well, that's the thing. And it's like... and it was and it's kind of similar to Jay White. Jay White's mm -hmm. whole exit, they made that like kind of permanent. When they said, you can't go to Japan first, you lose a loser-leave-Japan match, and then you lose a loser-leaves-New-Japan matchup. So you're kind of like, unless we go through loopholes or go mm -hmm. through a whole storyline to get you back, we're kind of putting an end to your book. And with Okada, it's kind of similar, but not in but that. But there's not even a storyline there. There's no They're story just, they're just they're, oh, let's get this. Let's finish this race. Like, even think about it. You're, you had Tanahashi versus Okada, rivalry of a century, and you put that below the tag team belts. The tag team belts have never meant anything. Even at Wrestle Kingdom, the tag team belts are near the bottom. So Okada has pissed someone off royally. I mean, I'm even guess, I'm guessing Gato. I'm guessing Gato. He, he, he shit in Gato's back. He was like, Kaito, how do I get him to make me leave? Oh, you shit in his bag. Oh, okay, cool. I'll just do that. I'll just do that. But Thanks. yeah, Thanks it's just, it. it's the booking has been weird. Like, I know everyone's saying, oh, but Okada being Tanahashi is not a big thing. Yeah, that's not a thing. Like, I can understand that to like an extent. But how are you going to tell me that Okada, like, in, like, someone even mentioned, like, he's hardly had any really big singles matches or any really big matches at all.
apart from, I guess, the one at Wrestle Kingdom. No, he's had three big matches since he since like this year started with the Brian match at Wrestle yeah. Kingdom, the Osprey match at uh, Battle in the Valley, and then this one on this show. Oh no, not like this year, but I mean, not like generally in the long term. Like if because you'd assume Okada would have sort of had an idea. Well, after after the G one, the New Japan shit the bed. Like I, I, we we we've been over this time and time yeah, again. That they shit the bed after, and yeah, Okada was not in a singles match after the G1 last year. So it's it's an odd in thing because at first, like you just focus on like, oh, we're really sad Okada's leaving. But then when you think about it, and then when all these things come out, you start thinking like, you kind of want to know. Yeah. Why? Why is Osprey no hate talk? Because you know we're firm Osprey supporters here. Why is Osprey, who yes, eight years is a long time getting a bigger farewell than a guy who's been here for like nearly 15 years grown up in the dojo was the top name something's going on there yeah there's a story that's definitely a story I, i'm gonna i'm gonna we're not gonna to... speculate we're not speculating hey, sean rossap uh dave Meltzer, whoever wants to do the investigating there but there's definitely a story there of okada's exit there's more to the story of this him leaving for a bigger payday in at aew mainly because also he doesn't need the payday we've been over this also they mm-hmm. don't need him so exactly. what happened in new Jersey? it seems like something happened now also coming coming like highest um Suzuki got a better send-off when they were disbanding Suzuki Goon. Kushida got a better send-off. Yeah. Yeah, the Suzuki Goon. Suzuki wasn't even leaving because he's not obviously under contract. But th- that yeah. disbandment got like a massive emotional thing at um, Road to Wrestle Kingdom. That is true. That is true. Yeah, dirt, dirt sheets, do your job. Find out this story for me and SP3. If you want yeah, we're, we're, I'm very curious now. The more we've talked about it, uh, we have a super chat donation here. From Vala B. Thank you so much, Vala B, one of our main supporters here. He says, bittersweet. That's my one word for the show. I cried. I felt jubilant uh, exuberance at the pure techers and then saw the best war games match of my life. Wow. High praise from Vala B. You know, like, it's true about that. the emotional thing. Like you go yeah. on a roller coaster, don't you? In that world, this, like, this final... was a um, emotional ride of a show. At the end of it, though, I was like, it made me realize I love this game. It was yeah. it was a great show. It, it enriched my fandom of There's, New Japan and wrestling again. It's because, we, like, obviously in the past few months, there's been a lot of doubt. And we've been vocal about, like, some of the things that New Japan have done wrong and that they could do better. But you know that at the end of the day, New Japan is a wrestling company. They're going to do stuff wrong. But then they're also going to do stuff very right. Yeah, It's just like... Maybe, maybe sometimes you put too much of like a New Japan on a pedestal. At the end of the day, they're still a company. They're not going to get everything right. And they're catering to two very different fan bases, Japanese and then Westerners. So it is the... Yeah, that's also the thing. There is, there is also the kind of more and more that I've talked to, you know, more New Japan fans. And, you know, I need... And I would love for us to get some, you know, more people from Japan. If you're mm-hmm. an English speaker, you want to be on the channel, you want to represent that fan base and talk about New Japan, I'm always open to that. So if anybody who's out in Japan and speaks English want to be on the channel or have an interpreter that can help them uh, translate what they have to say, uh, definitely I'd be open to that because I've been seeing like there's disconnect of something that Japan likes, like the House of Torture. Yeah, I was gonna Our say Western that fans hate it. Yeah, 
but like I I, I kind of get it though in the sense like like I was watching Fantastica Mania today and I know a lot of Western fans will not give a crap about it they will not watch it it's like the break time they love it there in Japan do you know what I mean it, there's yeah. such a, cha- a difference in attitude towards wrestling and I think while we shit on Gato all the time it must be hard for him because you he probably because he speaks through English he will have both sides of this like he will see what the western fans do but then he's there knowing the Japanese and it's like yeah the western fans are doing the new Japan world but all these shows every day it's the Japanese crowds who are buying it the non-televised ones the ones that aren't streamed exactly uh, we have Peter in the chat. He says, at least Ka- Okada got something. Kenny never got anything. Kenny went out in the main event of a Russell game. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not what I would call nothing, Peter. I'm just saying. Uh, Malabi also says, also SP3 got the clip I sent you loaded up, right? No, I don't. I don't. I couldn't I couldn't figure out. I have to, you have to send it to Romeo. Romeo knows how to work that and transfer over the videos onto technology. StreamYard. Yeah, the technology. Uh, I can only they will base level things like click this comment here or this super chat here from Will Chisholm. Thank you so much, Will. He says, I do feel bad for NJPW because them working with AEW was good at first, I believe. But man, it's hard to work with somebody who gets all your ex forbidden door going to look weird. Yes. Yes. I mean, I never thought it was going to be good. I, I, no. I never had faith in it. Why? I don't know I kind of like I'm very skeptical person and I know like I was almost like this it comes across there but you know when things are too good to be true that's what I thought because it started off great and this whole idea that the wrestling world like everything's gonna work in harmony but I knew there had to be a catch because there's no way that you're gonna have something work so harmoniously together I am I'm a proponent still of the uh, working relationship and of what it brings to me as a viewer of both New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW. And I think the positives outweigh the negatives. And I don't really feel like it's a negative because I am always pro the wrestlers. And this is the best thing for these wrestlers, for the Will Ospreay, for the Jay Whites, for the Kashiko Okada, if you have an issue. Because, mind you, not a lot of people have talked about it because they were leaving, but we... It wasn't too long ago that Will Ospreay and Jay White had issues with New Japan and left the company back in the pandemic because they were stuck in hotel rooms for nine months. The conditions were bad during the pandemic and they had to work shores and it was dangerous and they all left like Will was hurt. He had to relinquish the uh, the highest of highs of his career coming off a six-star match with Shingo Takagi, left the company, left the country, had to drop the world title. Like, yeah, like it's a, like they've had their issues too, and this was the best thing for them in their careers because oh, no, no, they, definitely, like, they needed think... they needed more of a stable paycheck than what New Japan was offering, and they were getting more than what New Japan are offering, and they still have the opportunity to still go to New Japan. So you're not losing them completely, unless, like we said, like we keep talking about with this little topic with Okada. There's more to that story. Maybe there is. A, Does anyone I, in the comments know? Does anyone in the comments know? Yeah, like I don't know. I feel like there's more. Like the like I said, the more we've talked about it here, I feel like yeah, there's more to this story. 
this the is way he's I, going I literally like was like, oh, this is us to be stupid. But then I listened to this Super J cast thing. Go on their channel and listen to it because they're like that. And then when they had all these little details, some of them they were like, yeah, this is probably just like shooting the gun, like probably not. But then when they piece everything together, you're like, it just fits too well, doesn't it? It does. It does because it's very that looks very weird. The way Okada's going out of this company that he has been the goat of, like he has been the star of the last 12 years, and the way he's going out is not akin to that in comparison to the guy that's been here eight years and he's going out like with the blaze of glory, basically. As far as Forbidden Door with what Will Chisholm is saying, I think they are uh, addressing that with inserting CMLL into the Forbidden Door uh, formula. However, they need to go the extra mile of actually putting over CMLL stars mm -hmm. over your main event talent because them going 0-3 against the Blackpool Combat Club over oh, the past week. Happened? Yeah. Hetrocero lost to Brian in a spectacular match. I was going to say, like, you said you were praising him on the preview. You were saying, like... Yeah, that, that Brian Hetrocero... And they talked about it on commentary during the mm. Brian and ZSJ match. That match was spectacular. There's, I have no no com no negatives, no, no notes about that one. That was fine. That was a way of... Hetrocero got over, but he took the loss to somebody that you're heating up for a championship match because Brian is going to be facing... Eddie Kingston for the Continental Crown. And, I also um, think it's, but it's, it's, it's Brian as well, isn't it? A huge star. Yeah. It's not like he just lost to anyone. Like, yeah. he's one of the best in the world. Yeah. The one I had an issue with was Dynamite last week when they lost a trios matchup when it was Volador Jr., Hechicero, and Mascarera Dorado versus uh, the Blackpool Combat Club because Claudio was right there. I understand not, not putting him over Moxley. I understand not putting him over Brian, like we said before. But Claudio's right there. They should have got the pin over Claudio. He wins with a low blow. Then they then they beat uh Claudio and John Mosley beat Star Jr. and Exponage on yeah. uh on collision. So it's just like, damn, they're they're there. You have established that they are a level below the Blackpool Combat Club. Which like makes sense, but if you want to push this desire to incorporate CMLL, you've got to give them something. That like not just maybe one or two of the guys look good. Like give them the like official. Like when you look on their cage match, it says they have won. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got another super chat donation here from Shay Nasty. Thank you so much, Shay. Um, I can't read it right now because my thing is frozen. Oh, do you want me to read it? <laughs> yeah, if you could read it for okay. me. So kind of surprised. Okay. There we go. Kind of won his final match. Then again, it's kind of hard to say him putting over Tanahashi does anything. Really intrigued to see what's going on behind the scenes. If you watched our preview, I thought that Tanahashi was going to win. Because champion, president. Yeah, but remember, I predicted Okada. Because I was like, it don't look like Okada's losing on the way out. Because it's like, you didn't announce anything for Sapporo. And... For good reason, because people would have been upset going into Osaka if they knew yeah. his final matches in Sapporo was going to be that. So, yeah, I was like, yeah, unless they really set something up after this, he has to win for them to set anything up after this. And he, uh, spoiler alert, he won and they didn't set up anything after it. That's the thing. Like, certain matches that we'll talk about later, we expected loads of stuff, but nothing happening was fine as well with the cage match. 
this one, I was literally, everything Okada did, as he looked down at the lion mark, I was like, is anyone coming? As he walked up the runway, is anyone coming? As he went through the curtain, I was like, is, so, is Kiyomi going like, to jump out? And again, it is going to be like a broken record. This makes me feel that Okada had something. He's like, I will do these extra shows after my contract, but this needs to be set. E.g., I do not want to be made to look weak. He's like, you got to make me look strong on the way out. I, I'm willing to work these shows, but I'm not losing. Well, because someone said, because I was like, oh, um, it just seems weird. And someone said, oh, but if he's going to AEW, um, they might put young guys over there. I was like, you're going to tell me that Tony Khan has spent all this money to get Okada. Okada has gone over and they're going to go, ah, in the next year or so, we'll have Okada put over young guys from New Japan. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I, I thought of that idea and then I just I said it out loud and I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound like it's gonna happen. No. Neither Tony Khan or Okada is gonna do that. Because we know Tony Khan doesn't like to make his big stars look bad. No, not ever. Uh we got Will Chisholm with a super chat donation. He says WWE has a bad history of when WWE got stardom talent. I knew what it what was in when they had the the May Young classic. Tony does it with a smile on his face. <laughs> well, I mean, Tony, Tony, it's like if these guys are gonna be free agents, it's not like he's poaching them. Like the no. way people make it sound is like he's poaching them. And he's not and to doing be fair, that. I admit, I admit, I, I have been that. That has been me. <laughs> I admit. No, but I'm glad, I'm glad you're self-aware because a lot of these fans are not self-aware in the terminology or the dialogue that they're using. And they're making him sound like he is like a basic man. Like basic man. Well, what we found out with W with uh, ECW was yeah. he wasn't really poaching them. It was more like Heyman was like, oh, here you go, Vince. I'll take the money. Thank you. Uh, but he was poaching talent from WCW, just like WCW was poaching talent from WWF. Before their contracts expired, he would talk to them about coming to WCW. That is poaching. I think I think Tony Khan, I hate to say it, but if any of us were in his shoes, we were big wrestling fans with a lot of money who had their own wrestling company. We do the goddamn same. Like, like, no, I said with, with his Twitter, with his Twitter activity, I was like, yo, if I was a millionaire and I had a wrestling company, would I allow any of these trolls to talk trash about me? No, I would do the same thing. I would be like, man, yeah, like. He's, living, he's living his best millionaire lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? He's basically living his biggest mark dream, but making business out of it. You know what? I, 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 we always joke, Son of Lad hates Tony Khan, but actually, like, like, I respect that. I respect the hustle. Like, I would do the same. Absolutely. We got another super chat donation from Will Chisholm here. Thank you so much, Will. Always with the support. He says, What's going on in Japan? We got NJPW drama and the Stardom and Rossi drama, and that's a book itself. What's really going on? You also got the TNA drama. You got oh, WWE. Yeah. WWE is just used to drama, so they're very good at hiding it very well. It's just like constant drama, so nothing's like higher than anything else. Like the rock stuff comes after the Vince stuff, and it's just like one after the other. That's how they do it. That's how they make you forget that they've got drama going on. 
Yeah, like it's the highs and the lows because they had the the Rock joins the TKO board and the Netflix deal, then the low of the Vince lawsuit and everything with that, and also the low of Triple H's press conference, how he addressed that horribly, and then the high of the Rock, the 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 dumb that the Raw Rumble of them making the right decision with Cody, oh, and then they fuck they messed that up with the whole Rock thing, and then they brought it back by by making it even bigger. So yeah. They they are very good. They're they're used to this at this point. These other companies are not. I feel like I feel like it's gonna be a period like this year is gonna be like one of those very rocky periods in wrestling. A bit like the pandemic, I guess, but for different reasons. And we've just gotta hope that all the companies will come out, specifically all the wrestlers. That's all not the com- the wrestlers will come out okay. We don't care about the big companies, we don't care about corporate. We care about these wrestlers who obviously wanna live their dream. But it's not easy. Uh, this is like the 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 hardest uh, business to be successful in, for sure. Uh, we also got another super chat donation. You guys are killing it. We haven't even gotten to the show yet. Um, <laughs> another super chat donation from Nikki Boy, the Negro Bug, Nick Jackson. He says Okada should have put ZSJ over on the way out. We will definitely get into that with uh, ZSJ had to say, because that was another form of my question. When I saw the lineup, I was like, why did Zach say that then? He didn't know, apparently. Apparently, this was just Chris saying it. And actually, Zach said Naito and Sonata. Oh, okay, okay, okay. This is what I'm thinking, because I put it in my review video yesterday. I was like, oh, Zach called him out. But then I watched the post-match comments today, and there was no mention of Zach. I mean, of Okada. And then everyone online was like, yeah, we think it was just like a misstatement. So obviously everyone got hyped up. But Zach didn't... The only thing he mentioned was, and watch his promo, what's be back, is that he was like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I'm not supporting these cappers. I'm going to stay in New Japan. And then one day, I'm just going to vanish and you'll never see me again. <laughs> it looks like Zach's, Zach's staying in New Japan. If that promo yeah. is anything to go by. He was. I, I I did hear some of the the comments that he had, and he was very adamant about going for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, which, which seems is more likely now after the win. Which is something I've been looking for. Uh, we got a bunch of other comments in the chat. We got Stu Sage who says uh, the TNA one is still crazy. Nikki Boy saying I'm still not over the Scott Demore stuff. Uh, we got it's Big Man Drama Dog. filled month. Drama filled month. It's only February 11th, like February 12th. Like, goddamn. Um, <laughs> we got Big Man Dog says WWE is doing Jedi mind trick on me. Yes, absolutely. It's like, look over here. You don't notice that the house is burning down. You don't notice. Look, look at this. Um, <laughs> uh, we also got Dustin who said it was a, mi- a mix up. Uh, Dustin says, I can't trust these wrestlers. I need confirmation that he is signed. Uh, what with Okada? I mean, or I think, Zach? or Zach. Oh, yeah, Zach. Yeah. I, I would like I yeah with a, with NJPW right now I need confirmation about the Bullet Club War Dogs I need confirmation about Zach I need confirmation about ELP and Hikaleo we need confirmation yeah. we need announcements they they you know like how they did it with Hiromu resigning can we just have an updated list of everyone who is signed and when their contracts are ending so we can mentally prepare ourselves exactly and then FIFO can update their database that they yeah. have all good stuff to use all right. So, I will say, this matchup, this whole card is a very much a second half of the show type of card. We got our multi-man matches, and it's basically how New Japan I didn't hate the multi-man matches. No, no. 
No, like the the okay, opener. I, uh, I am I am prefacing this because of this, because I'm just I'm prefacing this and saying that this is more of a second half show. It's because New Japan didn't even put up pictures for the first half of the show. They only put up pictures for the matches that matter. So that's why I had to mention that. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy any of the multi-man matches. We could talk about that, like the opening matchup that we had, uh, Sanal Arosaka. It was Yo and Toriyanu going against Ritsuke Taguchi and uh, Bolton Oglin. This was a showcase for Oglin, who's been showing off some of his improvements in the ring. And Yano, of course, showing off his comedy. He hits an atomic drop. He removes the padding from the turnbuckle. He drives uh, Bolton into the corner, but he tags he tags in yo. Uh, once Taguchi is tagged in, momentum shifts back and forth. It ends with Oleg uh, was busy kind of rocking Yano back and forth to notice that yo was stealing a pin up on Taguchi, transitioning into a quick technical pin for the victory for the chaos duo yo and Yano. I give this match two stars. It was your regular Yano comedy. Yo getting the win was nice because he was the person we talked about on our preview here. So what did you think? Yeah, no, it was great. I think, and I'll say this, um, we said a bit with Oleg is that he seems very innocent. Do you know what I mean? Like his, what did you, someone described him as like a baby and like a, like a, did someone mention that? I don't know if I'm like speaking. What, on commentary? No, no, when we did the preview. What that yo looks like a baby? No, or... no, Oleg. Oh yeah, 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 like a big baby. Uh, Kieran, yeah. I think it was Kieran. That's yeah, like, yeah. So, um, so him teaming with Taguchi, like as much as I'm to make, see how much Taguchi's teaming with Wato did. This is like helping him come out of his shell a bit and not just being another big guy, and working with guys who've got charisma. Like I think Valabi said, "Man, what is up with yo? He's living his best life." <laughs> yo is living his best life he is having some fun ahead of the best of super junior and this match just proves it leave do the man think, alone leave the man you, alone do you think that we get like a yo push maybe in the in this best of super juniors i i want to see what happens with chaos first i feel like you know the tag matches we're gonna need like for the sapporo one the whole even though he's not in it, this whole dynamic with what happened with Chaos might then lead to what happens with Yo. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Uh, we got Nikki Boy in the chat who says the Sabre Jr. agenda for the world title continues. We also got RP Jesus who says NJPW need to start doing graphics to ease our minds. Yeah, just graphics. This guy resigned. Yeah. This guy signed. Like, yeah, simple stuff. Simple stuff. That's all we need. Please. And uh, Nikki Boy saying, yeah, that was uh, Kieran. Uh, uh, Oleg is a baby in a man's body. That was it. That's what I wanted to say. Uh, and then next up, we had another tag team match here, Sanal, as it was Bishamon, Yoshihashi, and, Hik and Hiroki Goto going up against United Empire's Callum Newman and the great Okan. Callum Newman has just improved and improved every single match I've seen him in. They call him the Prince of Peace for a reason. He lands a big kick that allows uh, Okan to escape from a big hold from Bishamon. Okan and Yoshihashi struggles for control for a bit. Once Okan found his footing, he tags in Newman. We get a back and forth between the two teams. Offense going from both ways. But once Newman was alone, he was planted with the Shoto for Bishamon to pick up the victory in this one. 
I thought this match was better than the, the opener, but only slightly. I gave it two and a half stars. But Bishamon picking up the victory, maybe they, they're going to put them back, the titles back on them, which yawn. But I, I mean, I mean, it is better yeah, than our current champion right now, though, isn't it? But it's just like it's like put someone over new. Mm. Like I'm just saying. Like, you know what? Once, once, once we've sorted out um, Taichi and Shingo and um, Umara and Suji, let's have Shingo and Umara win these titles. Have you done <laughs> that? was a missed. That was a. Mi- I mean, I did enjoy Suji's tag team for World Tag Team, but. Imagine, imagine Suji and Shingo in a tag team. The gene, the gene monsters. Yeah. yeah. The monster blasters, whatever <laughs> you want to call them. Whatever uh, combination you want to do. <laughs> uh, we also got uh, in the chat here, Dustin, who says Kyle Newman might as well be in the heavyweight division in and in all the tournaments. I, I'm down for him to get his first tournament crack, uh, either in the New Japan Cup or the Best of Super Juniors. Someone but... said to me in my comments in my video that he'd already announced he was heavyweight. I don't recall that, but somebody said I got it wrong. So can someone clarify if he did say that? Apparently it was in his post-match comments after his match with Finley. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know, but this one, I mean, I just want to confirm. (laughs) Uh, We got Dustin. It says, SP3, remember when Dangerous Techers versus Golden Aces for the tag titles? Pandemic time. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. That was good. Dangerous Techers, the tag team that never should have split up. No, they were special. That was something special. Everyone. Next up, third match on the card was more multi-man action. This time, an eight-man tag as it was time for the House of Tortures. Evil, Ren Narita, Sho, and Yujiro Takahashi versus El Desperado, Shoto Amino, Tiger Mask, and Tomaki Homa. I like I like the fact that they're doing this whole show and El Desperado feud because it, it really has established that House of Torture's one rule is that possession if possession is nine tenths of the law and I steal something ten out of ten times, doesn't that mean that possession is a hundred percent of the law? And they're just like, okay, yep, that makes sense. And they just steal belts. It's great. It's great. Uh, the name now, not House of Torture, the beat the belt stealers. The belt stealers. Uh, we get, you know, some shenanigans. It breaks down into an actual tag team matchup where uh they isolate they isolate one of the baby faces in home for a little bit, but he tags into a shooter who runs, he rallies, makes the comeback. Then we get all the rest of the baby faces coming in, uh, backing up the house of torture with the referee distracted, though. Dick Togo, uh, well, Dick Togo distracts the referee. This allows show to hit a low blow, and then he uh, Narita drops uh, uh, Tiger Mass, I believe. Yeah, Tiger Mass with his uh, push up bar to close, and then show hits his package power driver for the win to give House of Torture the win. After the matchup, House of Torture continue to attack the baby faces. Evil sprays paints an X on Shooter. We get show le- leaves with uh, Desperado's junior belt in hand, declaring himself the new champion. And El Desperado cuts a promo on him for a bit, making I think they made their Sapporo matchup or the match on the road to a junior heavyweight tag team title match now. Yeah, with a stipulation that if show loses, he has to join Strong Style. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so everyone's really excited because either Despy drops it to show, which 
I think people won't actually hate because Show is not the worst member of House of Torture. He has no. a character to back it up. Or everyone seems to think that they're teasing the old show coming back, you know, moving to strong style, and which again, people will love. I'd so... be all for that. Please give me all of this. Give me all of this immediately. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got uh, Nikki Boy who says, so glad I didn't see this match. I mean, wasn't the worst. Wasn't I've worst. seen worse matches in House of Torture. It was eight minutes. I told you guys I don't pay attention to House of Torture matches until the shenanigans happens. So I only paid attention when all the baby faces got in the ring. And I only watched two minutes of this match. So it was good. El Desperado looked good. His his yeah. new red gear. Loving it. Loving it was good. I, I gave it a I'll give it a star two stars. I'll give That's it the nice. same level. Same That's level nice. as the opener. Yep. That's nice. That's the guy. This is very nice for SP3 with the house torture match. So. Look at Alexander liked it. He said it was a cool match. To be fair, it was it was fine. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say cool, but I would say fine. It, was it didn't fine. go over the time it needed to. Didn't take up too much time. So, so. yeah, yeah. The entrances now, probably took up the same amount of time. Now you always want to have you know the multi man matches that. It feels like it's the perfect amount of time and it highlights all the feuds and stuff you want to highlight here. And I felt like we got that with our final multi-man matchup on this card. Just five guys versus Los Inganables, Deja Pone. I have seen this matchup. I'm pretty times. close to 451 times. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure this is the 451st time I've seen this matchup because they have kept facing each other throughout this tour and the tour before Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, Shingo and Taichi, he, they opened up with a back and forth strikes. Then we get Taka and Bushi come in. They trade uh, Tope. Uh, Bushi hits the Tope to secure the advantage for LIJ. They isolate Taka for a little bit until he tags out to Yuromura. Then we get the best part of the matchup, which was Yuromura and Suji. And instantly watching Yuromura and Suji back in the ring after Wrestle Kingdom, I was like, I so much get fight forever vibes way more with them than I do with shooter and Narita. It's mm -hmm. sad. It's sad how far they are apart. Uh, Doki and Aromu come in. They start trading uh, moves for a little bit. They trade German suplex. We get a double reset. Then the double tag to Sonata and Naito. They go go at it. Sonata likes uh, Naito in the paradise lock. Naito spits in Sonata's face. Lands a drop kick. Uh, Sonata responds with a drop kick of his own. But Naito ate that and gets another one himself. From there, the match all breaks down. We get just five guys with just five boots on Bushi. LIJ hit the ring next, leading to a chaotic back and forth until Sonata locks in Skull and on Bushi. I enjoyed this one. This was an enjoyable tag team matchup. Featured all of the rivalries, the singles matches that we're going to see on February 24th in Sapporo. I give this match three and a quarter stars. Yeah, I mean, you said um, you see suji and umara going like the long fight for everything and yeah i mean i don't know whether it's because they're older and i feel like they out of oddly enough out of the four young lions have cement have done the best in terms of like finding their identity out of their excursion compared to shota and narita and like whether it's their styles are more like cemented as their own but i really feel like this could be like a tanahashi and okada but obviously, like, because they're, I'm trying to think of a really good one, like, of two, like, the same age, same dojo. Can you think of anyone? 
Um, I mean, Okada and Naito is kind of like the same age and yeah. been like long but time. But I mean, like the same class, you know, like the same dojo class. Well, you would have to go back probably to uh, Tadahashi and Na- Na- Nakamura. Yeah, so I think it'd be something like that. And it is sad that Shota and Narita haven't got to that, but you like i'm glad that obviously people i think were sort of when they all went on excursion like suji and uemura were not on people's radars as much yeah. and i'm I'm really glad that they've proved it wrong and yeah i'm really excited for these matches doki versus hiromu i'm actually really excited for i just want to prop that yeah. i feel like it's not getting the love it deserves like because it's obviously amidst the title match taichi and shingo and then obviously um uemura and suji gotta give love to bushi and taka as well who's gonna be the real electrician but it feels like like uh suji and uramura have the most momentum out of all those singles matches to the point that new japan when they announced the card today that got the semi-main event because of the hair versus hair stipulation which will be a travesty no matter which way it goes i did a poll and everyone was like uh uramura like suji's would be a bigger loss but uramura's hair has a volume this is true. This is true. Um, I if if you or Mora did not win at Wrestle Kingdom, I would say easy. Uh, this is your Mora's to win because I feel like yeah, out of the two, your Mora has the better set of hair. Uh, but now that like Suji took just took the loss at Wrestle Kingdom, now that Okada and Osprey have left. He seems like the like everybody when you ask them, you ask the Osprey, you ask all these guys who are at the top position, they always say Yoda Suji as the guy that can be the future of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He needs this win. Yeah. And I I guess I think it's an age thing as well. He he's I think the oldest out of the four young lions. So I think he he he's more trustworthy. Like we've seen him come back and that amazing like well, we've spoken about this before. When Shota and Rita came back, it took them a while, a very long time, actually, to get their footing. Whereas Suji came back, match against Sonata, star quality. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, out of anyone, you could probably trust him the most to be that Okada or that Tanahashi. Or that Naito, because we're making the LIJ comparison. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Nah, man. Nah, Dustin. Nah, you just, nah. You're just fooled by the water that he puts in his hair before he no, comes I out. No, I feel like he's being persuaded by other New Japan fans who are, they're all like, ah, oh, Suji, but yeah, this is what I'm saying. The water makes it look, think, Uemura's hair is so much volume. It, you know, it's flowy. It's like, yeah, like, like yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, nice. I, I'm a big fan of the volume. I'm with Sanal. I'm a big fan of the volume. Uh, Dustin saying, I'm just waiting uh, till the show, Sapporo shows because New Japan Cup will be the legit reset of the company. Yeah, the new beginning is like the 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 final beginning more than it's the new beginning. It's like it's like if Wrestle Kingdom's Christmas, um, new beginning is like New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then the real New Year's is New Japan Cup. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, now we're into the second half of the show, finally. And yes, it's time to get emotional, Sonata. It's time to cry, guys. Has everyone got their tissues? Fifth match on the card was the epic rivalry, the finale. Kashika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi. This one was going to get emotional from the start. And it did during the entrances because 
un- for unfortunately for us, I guess in the U.S., I don't know in the U.K. if it was the same. We didn't get high energy because they didn't buy the rights for it. But he comes out to his original theme, Hiroshi Tadahashi, comes out with the Go Ace at first. Then it transitioned into high energy. Then you got Okada coming out, who gets the big, oh, deafening Okada chance in Etienne Arena. He starts getting emotional during his entrance, crying on his way to the ring. Then this match slow, you know, starts off slow, filling out process to start things out. But Okada lands a drop kick early on, sending Tadahashi to the floor, where Okada uh, used the barricade to establish a lead. Okada used some dirty offense and establishes himself as the heel in this matchup. Uh, this leads to Okada hitting Tadahashi uh, with his signature Dragon Screw Leg Whip, which draws even more boos. He then dares Tadahashi to strike him, which Tadahashi gladly does. Tadahashi then takes advantage with a couple of dragon screws himself. He goes to the top rope and hits a big high impact cross body back into the uh, onto the floor. Uh, back in the ring, Tadahashi tries to run at Okada, but Okada catches him, hits an air raid crash into the net breaker, then an elbow drop, and then he hits the signature rainmaker pose for possibly the last time. When, Os- when Okada attempts the first Rainmaker, Tadahashi reverses it into a sling blade. We get a great uh, stiff strike exchange between the two men. Okada rocks Tadahashi with some uppercuts. Tadahashi answers back with twist and shout. We get a dragon suplex and a sling blade from Tadahashi. He climbs to the top for the high fly flow, but Okada blocks, extending his knees, getting the knees up. Okada then floors Tadahashi with a big drop kick and a clothesline. Okada establishes wrist control, but Tadahashi slaps it away. Okada hits a big drop kick, then the power driver to gain wrist control again. Seeing the writing on the roll, Tadahashi tries to escape out of it, but Okada instead says, Nope! Rainmaker, one, two, three. Okada picks up the victory in the finale against Hiroshi Tadahashi. The two men get emotional, showing respect to one another after the matchup. They hug and embrace in the middle of the ring. Uh, Tadahashi leaves the ring for Okada, who takes a moment to soak in the reaction from the crowd. He then bows down and kisses the lion mark uh, the lion mark in the middle of the ring. Tears in his eyes as he walks to the back and then waves farewell to Osaka. What an emotional moment. I, I had tears in my eyes by like the entrance, but a great match where they just played the greatest hits. And it's a, it's Okada and Tanahashi. So even at like a little bit, like 10% less speed than they usually do, it's still always going to be a great match. So I gave the match four stars and basically based on emotion alone, it gets four stars. What did you think about this match here? I mean, it will, it does continue to hurt me seeing Tanahashi's knees. When he when he runs it, that that like I had to, I love Tanahashi like I've met him he's like my life even after me it was kind of big but you're right it's the for this this was never meant to be a match that was like six stars for wrestling this was always meant to be the storytelling the emotion like the fact that even like halfway through it's like the crowds were booing Okada and then they went oh wait he's his last match now we need to swap back and Tanahashi doing the high fly flow out of the ring. She shouldn't have done. She shouldn't have done it. But it was again. It was. If you're gonna do it, do it for Okada's your final match with Okada. Yeah, you only got a few of those left. So yeah. So yeah, I was really emotional, and then obviously they were both crying at the end, and then he just looked at the lion mark, and it's like, 
this, this almost feels like this is a match that should have been a main event if all this drama we think is going on didn't occur. Do you know what I mean? Like, the end of the show should have been him doing a promo, then looking down at the lion mark and then walking out. Yeah. Yeah. That, I feel like this this definitely should have swapped positions with the next matchup. I'm like, like, like there's no question there in my eyes. Because I think I think the the thing we needed after this emotional thing was like a great a great matchup, and they had the no, long no, video package. It's not just great; it was phenomenal. Yes, yes, a phenomenal matchup after this. But instead, I got to take a nap before the 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 double main event. Uh, I mean, I did watch the matchups. I, I'm not gonna front. I have to because I do this for y'all. Please send a super chat donation. So also, I also, about the also, time I spent. No, we do it. We do it for our guys, God. You know, we do, we, we do it for That's ELP true. and Hikaleo, who, again, you can check out both our channels. We've done interviews with them before Wrestle Kingdom. Love you, Hikaleo. Love you, uh, El Fantasmo. El Fantasmo, I got to get you some coquito the next time I see you. Um, yeah, but when we did our interview, I taught him some hearts, and he's been doing them on the way to the ring. And I'm like, I taught him like a really cute one, but he obviously made it El Fantasmo. And I'm like, I don't mind. You can adapt it any way you want. You can. You could still do it. You can still. Uh, yeah. And the frantic world saying you could tell that Okada loves New Japan. Yeah, it just seems like New Japan don't love him back. Or he's done something to make them. It's like you don't want a job. You don't want a job for anybody. We're gonna treat you like shit on your way out. Or, or he loves New Japan in like a sentimental. Like I never have to see you again. So I'm just gonna, you know. <laughs> like when you get emotional and you're breaking up with somebody, but you know you gotta break up with them. And like in a week, you'll be fine. But like at really the time, he's gonna be emotional. <laughs> he's gonna be so numb in Sapporo. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna feel like I let out all my emotion in Osaka. <laughs> uh, Dustin saying Gato has to be bipolar or something. He gave us an emotional match that that gave us then gave us this uh, waste of time and oxygen. Jesus, that, Jesus! Don't say that about ELP and Hikaleo. Ah, <laughs> uh, we got Alexander says the right thing to happen next was to Okada defeat Gunther for the IC title, but I doubt I doubt about that. Um, I don't. I didn't see that happening, and it's. I don't. Definitely don't see it happening now, Alexander. Uh, we have wishful it, thinking. We can all have wishful thinking. You can. You can. Uh, and we got Big Man Dogs. He says, "I don't know why, but I was convinced that Kenta and Chase were winning. That's on me." Yeah, yeah that, that, that's all. All y'all fault. That joked about this shit, but let's talk about it very quickly, very brief, briefly. <laughs> IWGP World Tag Team Titles up for grabs. As you realize of Destiny, El Fantasmo and Nicoleo defending against the Bully Clubs, Kenta and Chase Owens. Kenta and ELP opened the matchup, but it didn't take long for things to break down. All four men getting into the ring. Uh, later on in the matchup, we get Kenta. He has the ring to steal the lead from G.O.D. Bullet Club works over and isolates ELP for a, for a while until he sneaks a tag to Hikaleo. Hikaleo runs wild for a while. Him and ELP team up. They hit their uh, big thunder kiss finisher, but Owens is able to save the matchup by pulling the referee out of the out of the ring to the floor. This gives Taiji Ishimori. God damn it. I thought you were gone. 
Taiji Ishimori, that gives him time to hit the ring with the IWGP Tag Team title. He blasts ELP with it. He blasts Hikaleo with it. Then Chase Owens uh, throws the referee into the ring. Kenta gets the cover. One, two, three. Kenta and Chase Owens. Your new IWGP Tag Team Champions. This is not our fault, SP3. This is Taiji Shimori's fault. We, we should have literally just given him the King of Pro Wrestling title. Like, oh, I think SP3. SP3 is frozen. No, no, no. I'm, oh, not. You're frozen. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> dead. I'm just dead on the inside, having to remind myself about that matchup and this result that I, no one wanted. No nobody, one nobody in the year of my lord, 2024, wants to see Kenta, who went, Kenta went from freaking New Japan at its height in 2018 to fucking Jinder Mahal champion? in 2018. Is he, a, is he still the fight champion? No, I think he lost it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so bad. Why, why did they do this? Hikaleo and ELP didn't even have an opportunity. Can I just say, if they were going to have them lose the belts, have them lose the strong belts. Not the IWGP belts. Not as the 100th IWGP after the lineage it has had with, we've said this, Bishamon, Aussie Open, um, we'll go out like um, Dangerous Techers, G.O.D. It's a belt with so much lineage. And it has been semi getting back to where it needs to be <sighs> and here we are here we are guys i thought i thought i thought it was going to be a nice little went from that dangerous techers era in the pandemic to the bishamon era over the last two three years to god to eop and Hikaleu, this tag team that just gain chemistry together gain popularity together you could have them get some good victories. And then when you had a heel tag team that you can get in there and that can beat them, then you make them drop the IWGP tag team titles. But it's you like, did this whole weird first, thing. Defense. Huh? That's their first defense of the IWGP tag team titles. Get they did they, they did the double, out. they did double matches with this it's team and didn't produce one good match. I gave this match a star in three quarters. You know, I'm generous. You know, you know SP3 didn't like it when House of Torture got higher. Yes. I like the House of Torture match more. My, my problem comes is that it's, again, it's the same bullet club shit of the interference from Ishimori. Like, you didn't need it. You didn't need them to lose it. I Because I can't keep emphasizing how good Hikaleo has become in this tag team. How important this tag team has been for both of them. How loved they are in Japan. How loved they are by Western fans. So why go and kill it? Unless, unless, Gato, you better have something good for ELP and Hikaleo. I swear no, to God. You, you, know what I, you know what I thought the unless, unless, unless was? What? They didn't resign. But then the strong belts. I've, I guess they're going to, they're going to work Not through April. Could be with Tama.
Because yeah, if, if if they are if they're not re-signed and if they're leaving, then yeah, definitely Hikaleo would go with Tama to WWE. Mm. And I would think that if those two are going and ELP's leaving at the same time, they can get him in the door too with the NXT at least. Mm. <sighs> not something I want to see. No, no, all, but... not like jinxing this, but yeah, no, like it, may, it makes sense. And I know when I spoke to ELP, he said that he couldn't do Japan forever. And again, that's like most Guy Kokujin. But when I spoke to him, it didn't feel like that was anytime soon. Yeah. It, no, they did establish that they, you know, are on, they were at that re sign period that they were going to be free agents at the end of January and they would have to make some decisions and New Japan would have to make some decisions. But the lack of information after it's been established that all these people are going to not have contracts and the lack of word of a lot of these guys that need to be re signed, not re signing, is concerning. I think, but like, I, not that I kind of get it on the terms of like the lack of willingness to do it, but like, I guess with so many Gaikoku Jins leaving, like New Japan are probably worried, like we invest all this money, we're going to give these guys contracts and if they leave, like especially like ELP, even probably before the contract, he's always probably said, Japan's not like a forever thing. You know, like Zach, it's, he's basically made a home in Japan. Yeah. So he's someone they'll invest in. But especially with the guys around Hikaleo's age, like around Jay's age, who at some point will have a family, to them, is it worth putting in all this money for contracts for a very short term? With even next year, we know with like how quickly someone can change it, and then go, yeah, we'll stay with New Japan, um, just keep giving us these year contracts, and then two weeks before the contract, we're going. Yeah, and that is going to be a worry with New Japan as a company, with the lack of money and how the yen's going is. Are they willing to make these big risks after everything that's happened? It's yeah, it's very, it's very interesting time for New Japan, and I'm I'm just waiting on more news in regards to what's going on with all these contracts and these people, and if they're going to stay, go, or in between. Uh, we do have Nikki Boy who says sucks even more when you had EOP in the pre-match promo talking about we want to face some real teams, calling out Lucha Bros, Aussie Open, FTR, etc. And then they we get Kenta lot. and Chase. They've done that a lot. And they like, and they and they had Lucha Bros in the video package for this match. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to see where they go. I like. New Japan, we, we mentioned that stuff, like New Japan make blunders, like they're going to make blunders. This seems like either a blunder that they'll realize did not go down well and they rectify it quickly or something that they have had to do out of, again, out of like contract issues. Yeah. We, yeah, we can't really say. All I know is that it was really annoying because I love G.O.D. <laughs> and we love G.O.D. here on True Heal Heat. We definitely do. Uh, we got Alexander says El Fantasmo was superb in the ring. He also says I felt like Chase Owens had the weakest uh, in-ring performance of them all. Not surprising. Um, I mean, because I think I know at the start some people said like Hikaleo was quite weak, but like I said before, he's really been improving, and because he's now bringing charisma into the ring, his offense has been elevated. Even though maybe his wrestling skills haven't got much better, but because he's now got personality, that suddenly seems like a completely different ball game. 
He's doing the in-between stuff, which I'll talk about a little bit in our next match that we're going to talk about. Uh, Nikki Boy, he says uh, he confirms that Kenta is still the Defy champion. Is he not allowed to bring the belt? I think Defy's now got... Um, they're combining with Progress here in the UK. Oh, really? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They announced their merger. Yeah, last week. Does that mean we have uh, to last see Kenta more? Does I mean Kenta's going to be here more? There you go. You're going to love him. Yeah. I love him. Uh, we got Frantic Girl that says, looks like most of OG uh, Bullet Club is leaving New Japan. OG Bullet Club has left. New yeah, Japan. they left ages ago. Yeah, like like the OGs, like the only OGs remaining was Tama and Bad Luck Fale. Fale's not here more than like one tour a year now at this point. And at that, if that, and Tama's on his way out. Uh, yeah, Defy is based out of uh, the West Coast, like um, Washington, Seattle, that area. But Progress uh, is very much British. Yeah, Pacific Northwest, mixing with the UK. All right, Sanal, are you ready? You know what, guys? We were we were a bit the 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 mood sort of dropped a bit, but guys, don't worry. Grab a grab a coffee, grab a drink because this is where shit gets serious. Shit gets real. Brian Danielson going one on one with Zack Saber Jr. The rematch from Wrestle Dream, and I I broke down the Wrestle Dream matchup on our review then because it was so fascinating to me how that matchup kind of broke down in three different phases, and then they did it again where I think they added a fourth phase for this matchup. And this one was similar in the start to the Wrestle Dream matchup is you have the extended feeling out process and mat work where each guy is just trying to go in their different position and uh, try to gain a submission, gain a leverage, gain an advantage. And you saw at its essence, the two different types of technical wrestling that was going to be at display in this matchup in that Zach always has a strategy. He's going from the arm, then he'll work over the neck, he'll go to the leg, and then it's six seconds or less on the submissions. And if he works over one thing, he's going to work over the other thing. Brian is more of a reactionary type of thing. If something happens in the match, he will take advantage of it, and he has like razor-sharp focus when that happens as well. So you kind of saw that at play in the mat work, but it further developed as things went into play. And I really felt like it shifted into the next gear, us and all, when Brian snaps and whips uh, Zach into the ropes. And then Zach starts selling the leg. And this was some of the best selling of Zach Sabre Jr.'s career, in my opinion. He's like lipping around the ring. And then that became the focus. And I loved Brian, how he first went after the leg. He went. He went, okay, I'm going to get you with the Greco-Roman knuckle lock because they had a sequence right before that where they went Greco-Roman knuckle lock and they both went for the same move twice and then Brian reacted on the third time into a submission and got the advantage. And then they did, he did Greco-Roman knuckle lock into a headlock, into a wrist lock, drop kick to the leg. I was like, that was so great how he did that. He was like, I'm going to distract you, and then I'm going to go right after where I'm really trying to go, which is the leg. He starts striking at the leg, stomping, stretching. He does the old school jump off the, the, the bottom rope, put your all your ass and weight on the leg. He was just, it was so great, though. He was just brutalizing ZSJ's leg. Finally, ZSJ, at one point, they start exchanging 
ankle locks. ZSJ tries to go for the mag magic screw, but Brian reverses it into an ankle lock. He does the ankle lock into a leg trap German suplex. Then he just works over the leg some more until Zach's able to flip free. He he catches uh, Brian with a magic screw himself. Brian again tries to attack the leg, and that becomes another level of this matchup because this match is all about pride. These two guys want to be the best technical wrestler in the world. But what this match is also about is these two men are unbelievably stubborn. And they started becoming in display after Brian went after the leg and that and that became to Zach's advantage because he, he does another magic screw. Then he does a drop kick right to the neck. He starts working over the neck. Brian forces DSJ into the corner where he lands our first big strikes of the matchup, big uh, European uppercut. Then he does a, a dragon screw leg whip. ZSJ responds with a Cobra twist. The pair then worked their way onto the mat where they fought for control. ZSJ landed a handful of strikes, but Danielson responded with a mouthful of spit. They get into a leg lock, uh, leg lock submission where both guys are going from like heel hook, knee bar. Heel hook, knee bar, like right to each other, like responding to one another. Then they just start slapping one another. Brian then spits in his face. Then a nasty kick to the to the ear. ZSJ's like, nah, you ain't going to do that to me. He starts kicking Danielson back. The pair start rolling to the edge of the apron where they continue striking until Brian kind of snaps back on the leg and the bad leg and ZSJ falls to the apron, which is in fact, after 45 minutes between their last two matches, that was the first time anybody went to the floor, Sanal. <laughs> that was the first time anyone went to the floor in their matches, their last two matches. Brian does a leaping knee off the apron back in the back in the ring. Uh, Brian goes to leap off the top rope, but Zach catches him. He stretches uh, Brian with a variety of holds, forcing Danielson to escape to the bottom rope. He gets him in like the the uh, Clarky the the the, the what is it the snarky cat is what he calls the the uh, submission that Brian did to Okada back at Forbidden Door, which both men uh, apply to one another. Brian uh, gets. Him with the going after the leg at one point until Zach has to make it to the ropes. Late in the match, both men begin trading stiff strikes in the center of the ring. We get a slap to the chest, sends Zach crumbling. A kick to the head reestablishes control for Danielson. Danielson leaps on Zach's leg before climbing to the top rope, but ZSJ catches him. But Brian eventually reverses that to a big back suplex for a near fall. Zach catches Brian after a missed roundhouse kick into a Zach driver which was the best near fall of the matchup. At this point, the crowd is on fire. They have chanted, this is awesome in English. They, they got Japanese crowd to chant, this is awesome in English. I was just blown away at this point. Zach starts hammering down Danielson. He applies a triangle choke, slips the hold. Uh, Brian slips the hold. He floors uh, ZSJ with some forearms. Once ZSJ is uh, falls flat, Brian transitions to some stomps to the head. He forces ZSJ to the ropes when he gets the Clarky, the Clarky cat. Then uh, Danielson turns uh, ZSJ's kicks into the chest, uh, and then ZSJ powers to his feet, leading to a slick little back-and-forth grappling sequence and uh, trading of near falls. Danielson lands the knee strike, but he goes for a second one. Uh, ZSJ is able to avoid it. They trade near fall attempts until ZSJ gets a technical pin finally for the 1-2-3 
just over 30 minutes of some of the most brilliant, superb, outstanding professional wrestling. This was an absolute masterclass when it comes to professional wrestling and storytelling, the elements of pride, stubbornness, fighting spirit, the stubbornness in both men wanting to get the submission win, but neither man was able to do it. I loved, uh, I even loved the work of Chris Charlton, who is usually an analytical commentator, but he was really a heel commentator here, where he was very supportive of ZSJ saying, oh, he got the pinfall. It was a technical pin. So he's the better technical wrestler. And I loved uh, Walker Stewart's response being like, but no, he didn't get the submission win. So we it's still Chris's, are Chris's having his fellow countrymen. I know we still <laughs> have unfinished business here, but we did get a point of closure after the matchup as Zack Sabre Jr. actually offers the handshake to Danielson this time. Unlike at Wrestle Dream, where, where Danielson offers it to ZSJ and ZSJ walks away. Brian initially steps away. It looks like he's going to turn him down, but he turns around, shakes his hand. ZSJ gestures for a missing belt around his waist, and he calls for the winner of Sonata and Naito. Wow. Wow, Sonal. Like, I've loved so many matches this year. Brian and Okada. The Shingo and Moxley matchup we talked about from Battle of the Valley. Osprey went to TNA and tore it up with Josh Alexander. Those are all five-star matches. But this is one. slightly better than all of them. This is five-star plus. I, I would keep it at that. I would give my firm rating, whether it's five-star plus or six stars. This might be six stars because this was otherworldly technical wrestling. You got to learn that technical wrestling doesn't have to be your surface level, just doing that wrestling, going for submission holds. It can be reactionary. It can be strategy-based. It can be scientific. It can be brutal. And it was all of that in this one match, 33 plus minutes of two of the greatest to ever do it, showing you two different ways to do it, adding the story to it with a hot crowd that learned English watching <laughs> this matchup. This matchup is next fucking level. I cannot wax lyrically enough about what this match is. It is a special and magical matchup to watch, and I've watched it twice. And each time, I gain something new from it. So, no, after all of that, my thoughts on the matchup, breaking down of the matchup, what did you think? Well, I want to, like, this sort of epitomizes, I guess, and I'll go into, like, detail that after. Chris Charlton said that Zack Sabre Jr. is an artist. And I thought... That was the most beautiful, like, description of Zack Sabre Jr. Because to all intents and purposes, people have a very rigid view of what technical wrestling is. I, I had it when I first started watching wrestling. I put my hands up and say, like, submission mat-based wrestling wasn't my favourite. But it's with guys like Zack Sabre Jr. who take the form of wrestling, which is a sport, and which is a form of entertainment, and create something out of this world. Like... There was moments of like we said it was a mix of everything storytelling. So when um, Daniel Brian Danielson wanted Zach to go to the ropes, and he's like, "I'm not fucking getting to the ropes," or um, yeah, the selling of when the leg. Like I at one point genuinely thought he was injured until he called someone to dickhead, and then I was like, "I think he's fine. I think it's all work. It's all right." But it was small things, and when um, 
Danielson went up to the top rope and you knew Zach as he comes down was going to counter in submission but when he does it it still takes you back at how beautiful it is like I remember when I went to see um the Rev Pro 30th anniversary show with my friend and he was like something felt weird about Zach's match against Ricky Knight Jr and I straight away and I said this because I was watching it and I've seen both guys perform I went this is a Ricky Knight Jr thing because you never you very rarely see him make any mistakes with his transitions and seeing his match with Danielson cements that because the match was way more high intense there was way more stuff going on there was not a single misstep everything was seamless everything was perfect to an extent that 35 minutes felt like no time at all. Everything just worked nicely. The Yeah, when they like they were doing the same submission to each other like simultaneously and the slaps and it felt it didn't feel like a wrestling match like a sports entertainment match. It felt like it felt more realistic. Do you know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah. I love it. One of like I put it as one of the best of the year. One of my favorite matches I've watched. Yes. Like, just phenomenal. I, I've I've said it once. I'll say it a thousand times. Brian Danielson is my favorite and, in my opinion, the greatest professional wrestler I've ever seen. And this might be his magnum opus. This might be the best Brian matchup. It's right up there with his 30-minute classic at Grand Slam against Kenny Omega, his 60-minute classic with Hangman Adam Page, his great Ring of Honor matches with Morishima, Kenta, Nigel McGuinness, his WWE matches with Triple H and Randy Orton and Batista Mm -hmm. and all these guys. Like Brian is a special performer, but this was like Zach stepping up to the occasion and like i said last year at the end of the year in the month of october he had back to back the best matches of his career with the with the royal quest match against uh osprey one week and the wrestle dream matchup with brian this match is better than both those matches it's one of his best like like you said with um danielson it's one of zach's best because there's as along like Zach is always like I say he's flawless when he wrestled but it was the story behind it it was the lead up like if you haven't watched it guys that his post like you don't have to watch the matches his post-match comments throughout the road two shows just little things that he said like something about like clams or something and like just the small things is you could see how much this meant even in the post-match comments everything that he was pray like Zach doesn't praise people no, <laughs> but very rarely. Like, very rare. Like you have to be top. But he was basically like, um, I was this like skinny weedy boy. We had this match, and he gave me more than he could should have. He gave me more than I deserved, and it set me on a completely different path. For someone like Zach to say that and to basically say that da- like Danielson is the reason he is who he is as a wrestler, you know how important this match was for him, and to have it. And I guess his home now of Japan would have meant even more. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we got to address the the post-match comments, like you mentioned there from Zach, who, uh, you know, showed respect to Brian. He also uh, made it clear his goal is to become the next IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, regardless of who's the champion coming out of Sapporo. Uh, he made that crystal clear. He's now uh, Brian in his post-match comments called Zach the best technical wrestler in the world now. 
now. He's given up the crown to Zach, but he also says that it's still not over between them because there, there was no submission. He didn't make me tap out. I didn't make him tap out. He wants best two out of three falls. And he says, I've beaten him in AEW. He's been in me in New Japan. We need neutral ground. He doesn't want it to be in America. He doesn't want to be in Japan. All I know is that. Small little island? Small little island? No, no. Neutral ground would be a joint promotional show. And Forbidden Door last year was not in America. It wasn't in Japan. Wasn't it? it was in Toronto, and mm-hmm. that was one of the best crowds ever for an yeah. AEW show. So I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't. I mean, I know they're doing a Canadian tour that spring, but I don't know if there will be. You know, they're going back to Toronto, but I mean, that would check all the boxes if they did go back to Toronto. It would check all the boxes for what Brian is saying here. And in my eyes, the only thing left for them to do two times they stole the show. Wrestle Dream, mm. this card, the only thing they haven't done yet is headline the show. And that should be the headliner for Forbidden Door. If that's or they could like, you know, come to the UK or come to Manchester. You know, Zach's a yeah, I knew you I knew you were gonna try to you know, try to work that. <laughs> I'm politicking for this. Come to Manchester. We have some great, great venues for wrestling. Come like you know, we will welcome you. You know, we're a socialist city. You know, always labor. Zach is the vegan socialist Hydra. It's the perfect place. We have great vegan places. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I You said this earlier about the main event, and I felt it more with this match where that the, the time breezed by. It was exactly the exact time for the matchup was 32 minutes, 46 seconds. When we got the 20 minute call, when they're doing the, they're trading the leg holds. I was like, it's only been 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah, I did not realize like it just flew by this entire matchup where we got the 30 minute call. I was like, wow, they've done like 10 more minutes than what they did at Wrestle Dream. This is something but it, but ridiculous. It felt, it felt like no time at all. It felt like a five-minute, like a five-minute bout. Like I could have easily taken. I mean, I say I could have taken more time, but I feel like this was the right amount of time. Yeah. Like I think SP3 will bring it up for him in the next match. Like there's like a moment where you're like, I think this is the perfect ending, and like 35 minutes was the right time for these two. Yeah. Uh, we got Safed who's saying six stars. We got Peter who's saying match of the year for me easily. easily. Safet say a match of the year. Yeah, like like I said, I named all the other matches that I would have said, okay, they are the match of the year. That's the match to beat now. But yeah, this is the new match to beat. It beat what Okada and him did. Yeah, one of my favorite generally that I've ever watched is just because it's so different. It had its identity. But yeah. they took something so simple as in, not simple, but something so specific as map-based wrestling and created something beautiful and showed how it should be done. Do you know what I mean? How it's not just one dimensional. Yeah, this is like, this is, I feel like this is like a generational type matchup that you might see like people kind of be like inspired by. Cause like Mm -hmm. you got so much different technical, you that king of sports in the middle, like you're in the first exchange before the whip into the ropes where where Zach injures his leg. They did a whole king of sports exchange where they did the cross arm submission and then Mm -hmm. Zach did the king of sports escape and kick Brian in the ass. Like there's different parts of this that I didn't even cover. I broke, I tried to 
to break down the matchup as much as possible, but I didn't even cover that part. That was one of my favorite parts of the match. You know, you said generational. It's, it's true. It's like, you know, if you think about maybe like junior heavyweight wrestlers, they might have watched like Osprey and Ricochet and yeah. thought, ah, that's the route I want to go. I can imagine there are wrestlers across the world watching going, you know what? I want to try and do mat-based. I want to be a submission submission specialist. And who knows, while after that era, it was very much like the high-flying super juniors, which obviously has changed now, it's much different. We might see a return of a lot more guys who are on this map base, which would be great. It'd be very great. Yeah. And like, and like, I feel like, like I had to kind of lower my rating for the Wrestle Dream matchup because as the months went on, people didn't, didn't like, it didn't have that resonating kind of factor to it that I think this one will, where I think that even by the end of the year, it'll still be it'll in the conversation remember. for match of the year. Uh, we And and that, and the, the, the Wrestle Dream match happened in October. Yeah. By the time we got to December, people were, were like well, bringing it down. Above it, were, yeah, we're the putting other matches from earlier in the year or after it above it. I don't think that's going to happen here. Uh, we got here uh, Frantic World who says Hechicero called out that is ESJ. So I can't wait for to watch that match. That match gonna make me watch Fantascaramania. I can't say it like you can't maybe. do it. We need a J News here just for that. We need we, we need record our... it. We should record it and just like play it whenever we mention it. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have J News. I'm gonna record J. Or I'm gonna rip it from the last from the preview, and then I'm just gonna play it every time he's not here. Also, uh, a little shout out to Fantastica Mania. If you've not watched it, watch the Lij match because Hiromu comes out as Kamatachi, Kamatachi, and instead of his music, when it says that it's not done due to copyright, Hiromu is singing over it. Are you serious? He's singing his theme song. No, no, he's just going like. Duh, 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 duh. <laughs> oh, that's great! And when he gets the pin at the end, it plays again, and you can hear commentary trying to like, like because I was listening to Japanese commentary trying yeah. to like keep it professional, but they'd lost. They is like, uh, is uh, Chris and uh, Walker doing those shows? It was just Walker today, which was okay. why I was I went to not not that like I'm gonna put it out because I've seen people like. I think Walker's great. Obviously, he like it's very early thing, but um, yeah, there were some moments during the show. I think Walker maybe was a bit maybe overwhelmed. Like I That's think there fair. were moments where Chris was like giving him stuff, and there was just like silence, especially after TMDK left. And can I just say, so, so Chris does like remote like giving information when he's not there, right? Um, he does it on Twitter. So he was um live tweeting during it. I want to give a shout out to Shane and Mikey for their commentary and including the Oh ones. yes. They, they they made me get through those opening tag matches. Shane I want and to Mikey. touch tips with Hiroki Goto. Thanks Shane for that. That line <laughs> my favorite exchange was during the uh I think it was during the House of Torture matchup where he uh where he where Shane said Zach got a donk and <laughs> And Mikey responded, I believe the term is junk in the trunk. And Shane responded, nothing that Zach has is junk. It's all useful and needed. Oh, my God. I was I couldn't breathe. I broke an ACL. I think I broke an ACL hearing him say that. 
It's like at, it's just it's, so, it's like at one moment, and it was like because <laughs> the relationship between Tia, Mikey Nichols, and Shane Haste is like um, Shane is the overexcited kid, and Mikey's trying to calm him down. At one point, <laughs> Shane was saying to him, and Mikey's like, "Do you not watch the damn project, the damn <laughs> program? Do you not watch what you're involved?" <laughs> <laughs> it was just so like I normally was like I was like I'm gonna listen to Japanese commentary for the opening matches because I feel like there's not like I won't need the translations. But then someone said TMDK and I clicked onto English quicker than you could say TMDK because <laughs> and it was worth it. It was. It was definitely, definitely. Uh we got uh Stu Sage in the chat. It says, Come on, Brian. Submission match, not two out of three falls. I think they do it in that first two falls are won by pinfall, and then the final fall, they're gonna they're gonna be two stubborn bastards again. And they're gonna they're gonna be like, This match is not ending until one of us submits the other. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Uh, we got King Potato who says Toronto is a great wrestling city. That is that no is doubts true. about that. No doubts about that. Nikki Boy says makes sense too, since they were for, uh, originally supposed to wrestle each other on the first Forbidden Door. That's right. That would be that. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm, now you got me. You got me. I'm fully <laughs> into this idea now. now. I'm sold. I'm sold because I didn't even realize that connection as well is that this was the original Forbidden Door match. So yeah. That needs to be the main event, Forbidden Door 3. Uh, Power Driver Finisher saying, I was cooking while watching this, so it felt pretty long because I started eating what I was cooked, what I cooked, <laughs> and this match still wasn't done. I mean, if, yeah, if you do it by that time, it will feel quite long. <laughs> yeah, and that's that That was me, Big Man Dogs. He says, yeah, this match didn't have a moment where I checked the clock to see how long it had been. Yeah, I didn't. I was fully invested into everything going on. And the crowd was. The crowd was reacting audibly to submission counters, to, to counters on the mat. That was fascinating to watch as well. Because mm-hmm. this is usually a crowd that gets like the hard-hitting, blistering, strong-style matches. So yeah, yeah. to see them that into technical wrestling and, and transitions was amazing. Also, if you think about a lot of the people on the floor, probably wouldn't have been able to see, like, take it from someone like I was at Royal Quest 1 on the floor when it was Tanner versus Zach, and I had to rewatch it because I couldn't see it. But you can even tell that, like, the, like, the atmosphere around for those who could see it was enough to get everyone hyped. Yeah. Uh, we got Nikki Boy who says TMDK are the best. I we love also- them so much. Yes. So great. So great. Uh, but yes, and we also got Nikki Boy. He says, hearing a this is awesome chant from a th- Japanese crowd definitely wasn't on my bingo card. And yeah, fight I, forever. I, I think Osaka, out of all of them, I think it's more reasonable that it happened there. Because I think I've heard chants before from Osaka crowds. But yeah, still a massively shocking thing from like a Japanese crowd in general. Yeah, and to be fair, Osaka is usually the one that like sets the the standard as far as like doing unique stuff. They were the first crowd that cheered Naito when yeah. he turned heel. So like, yeah, they're just they're just known for that. Uh, but yes, there's one last match for us to break down here, and from the technical prowess to the downright mental. 
mental, outrageous. There's far too much for me to go over with this one, so I'll try my best. Uh, it was Bullet Club War Dogs, Alice Coglin, uh, Clark Connors, David Finley, Drilla Maloney, and Gabe Kidd versus United Empire, Francisco Adekira, Hanare, Jeff Cobb, TJP, and Will Ospreay. The Osprey entrance, fabulous. It was so great. It felt so emotional with the crowd uh, singing, Osprey, Osprey. I had tears in my eyes again. I was like, oh, man, this, this is a moment right here. This is special. This is yeah. special. So we get uh, basically it's war game styles with the uh, extended uh, break in between. And the style of cage wasn't really like the traditional very tall steel cage. It was one that circled the ring similar to the 2006 cage of death, leaving uh, a lot of room uh, for everyone to fight on the floor. We get the two leaders of the groups to start things off, Osprey and Finley, who open their open for their teams. Osprey gets on the mic before the bell and axes Finley for an extended opening period. Finley had the rules set at two minutes for them to battle before uh, you know the the first member of the Bullet Club War Dogs came out. So Osprey asked for ten. Finley compromised and gave him five. They battled at it for a little bit until Drilla Maloney came in. But Drilla Maloney did not come alone. He comes out with a lifeless Callum Newman to the cage. He handcuffs Newman to the cage wall. Uh, Drilla came out looking like he was Sylvester Stallone as he had artillery, which was multiple forks. Uh, the war dogs took advantage of this attacking attacking Osprey with the two-on-one advantage. Then we get a Hanare coming out. He comes out for the help next. Clark Connors then comes out. He comes out with a barb wire loaded fist tjp comes out i was very disappointed at first tjp did not have the oswong but more on that in a bit uh tjp <laughs> lets his uh let his his force be known coglin then comes in he's carrying 10 chairs on his arm each which was hilarious no i thought it was a cape i 10 out of 10 thought he was wearing like a robe or something when he came out <laughs> it did look like a cape a little bit. Then we get Akira coming in. He comes in through the crowd. He leaps off the cage. I knew Akira would be the one to leap off the cage. Yeah. Leaps on the top of the cage onto the war dogs who were caught off guard. He ran the gauntlet until Connors landed a spear, driving him through a table. The war dogs' momentum continued as Gabe Kidd came in. He helped take out every member of United Empire before posing with his faction mates over a bloody Osprey. Cobb comes in next. He managed to take out all of the war dogs. The rest of United Empire began to rally around Cobb's entrance. A sidestep spear sends uh, sends. Connor's crashing through a table. We get Kid makes a slave. He's busted open at this point. He starts running around with a with a ladder spinning around his neck like he's Terry Funk. Uh, they beat up TJP on the outside and bury him underneath some steel chairs. When he finally emerges, he is the Aswong, and he comes in. He sprays uh, the red mist into Finley's eyes. Both teams uh, gathered in their corners before initiating a brawl in the center ring. Osprey and Finley were eventually left in the center, freed to trade strikes. After a double down, a spear drove Osprey through a table on the outside. Hanari threw a trash can at uh, Finley before kicking it into his skull. Kid hits the ring to brawl with Hanare, uh, leading to a back and forth with steel chairs where Hanari punches a chair and then slam breaks a chair over Kid's head. Uh, it took a strong 
strike to ground all both men after that. We get Coglin uh stand stood against TJP and Akira eating kendo stick shots. Unsurprisingly, Akira and TJP won out that exchange, though. On the outside, United Empire sets up two tables. We get a uh, Hanare with a big lay drop off the cage onto Coglin, putting him through two tables. But eventually, the Bullet Club War Dogs start to gain control. They start taking down uh, each member of United of United Empire and start handcuffing them to the uh, steel cage. This happens after Great Okan comes out to take out uh, Gato and freeze Cobb and Newman from this from the steel cage but uh we get Maloney he interrupts Osprey's advantage stabbing him in the head with a fork busting him open again kid then hits Osprey with a big power driver through a ladder on that was bridged between the cage and the ring we get Akira. He tries to hang Connors with a dog collar, getting some revenge from the lead up to Wrestle Kingdom. The War Dogs, though, clear the ring. They remove the apron. They expose the boards of the ring, which I was just like, holy fuck. This immediately looked way too dangerous for me. Anare that was, that was a step too far. That that was like that was like going on like the borderline like you know hiding behind a cushion. Cringe. Yeah, it was like cringe. Like I was like we got we got forks, we got chains, we got dog collars, but the boards. That's what I was like. All right, this is a little too dangerous. Yeah. For me. Uh, Cogley then pulls Hanare to the outside. He handcuffs him to the back of the cage. Akira uh, attempts a superplex onto the exposed boards, but Kid cuts him off. They drive Akira into the exposed boards with a with a tombstone power driver. This forces Osprey to make the save for him. He pulls Akira away. He is left uh, in the ring by himself, five on one. Osprey tries the fight, but Finley dares him to hit him. He just collapses. Osprey was then hit with a big spear. And then finally, Finley hits the into the new into oblivion, into the void. One, two, three. The War Dogs win the dog pound steel cage match in an absolute bloody, chaotic mess of a fucking matchup. Yeah, well, why is that literally the perfect way to describe it? No, it was a mess. Uh, once the War Dogs leave victorious after completely destroying. Like, when I say destroy, they completely wiped out the United Empire. Like, literally, yeah. the post-match, because they left United Empire in the ring with Osprey saying farewell, it felt like the season finale for Martin. It felt like this is over. Like United Empire is over. Like it's over. Like you yeah. like they got they got completely destroyed. Like they left them no room. Like my way of of Osprey being Robin Williams and Hook and blessing one of them after they won the cage match as one of the leaders would have gave them a chance to survive without Osprey. The way they did this, they're done. It's done. It's over. This this was the end. This was a great end. This was emotional. Osprey talking to the crowd. He promises the New Japan fans that he will be back. His uh, wife, uh, Alex Windsor, she gets into the ring. They hug. They embrace. The music is playing. We get the Osprey, Osprey from the sold out Osaka crowd. But like once Osprey said that final goodbye at the top of the stage, that was like Martin turning off the lights on his apartment, on his apartment, on the season finale 
of Martin. It was over. It's like Will Smith standing in the house at the end of Fresh Prince. It's oh, over, God. guys. Oh, that the emotion, the emotions are coming back. It's over, guys. United Empire. Like, and I saw the post match, and they had good promos, especially Kira. Kira killed that post match promo backstage. He killed was, it. The best promo. Little Akira in a bit. The best promo of his damn career in that match. And I loved him. The moment he had in the matchup with Drilla Maloney, stabbing him in the head, busting him open, but he didn't stay down. He fired up. This matchup, the only person from United Empire I feel like it really helped was Akira and then Honore because he looked like a fucking zombie because he got busted open early and they had the fucking... Like, mask put, like put like cotton swabs in his head and tape up his head. So like he looked like a warrior by the end of it. And then Akira with basically going through with the matchup and having that moment. That's it. Like Cobb didn't really have a moment where he stood out like that. The the TJP and Aswang, he stood out because of that, but he didn't really get the moment like uh Akira or Hanare got. Like, I feel like United Empire is done after this. The match itself, mm. it was a mess, but it definitely was a memorable one. I think I'm I'm between four and a half, four and three quarters. I'm going to lean towards four and three quarters, yeah. but I can easily see if someone gave this, like, three stars or even lower because it was it way dangerous. Like. Yeah. Like, I normally hate these kind of matches. I've said this in the past, but... New Japan have slowly been like easing me into it, you know, like with Moxley matches and stuff. So I feel yeah, like yeah, I feel like this match I would have liked it more if it was in AEW. Yeah. So I feel like so I personally gave it like four and a half, which is huge for me in these kind of because I'm not a fan of gimmick matches either. But I think everything just there was really big spots that I really liked and really like <laughs> I feel like this is underrated. When Coglin got the kendo sticks and handed them to catch 2-2 just so he could show how much he could withstand being yeah. like a slow that was great that was great that was a great I moment with war dogs actually coglin and gabe stood out coglin stood out massively which i was surprised yeah. about like kudos to you coglin but um yeah by a far stretch akira our little fireball found it in found the fire within him <laughs> like as soon as he jumped off that cage i was like yes akira has decided he he is gonna be the like he that that spot itself was like where the match i think really kicked into the next gear yeah because they were like yes that is a cage match and i mean i can say about gabe but we all know get i'm a fucking madman he said that like 10 times. We know, Gabe. We know you are a I'm a mama. And it's the fact like you could even when like you couldn't hear him say it, you could hear him like lip reading it. Um, I just you know what's weird? And I'm we mentioned this in the preview. As good as that Osprey was, it it felt like the Akira show. Yeah. Akira, that, Akira stood out. Like I I um, honestly I wouldn't have mind if Akira got that moment. Like he saved Osprey instead of Osprey saving Akira. I like, I mean, I mean, that makes more sense, isn't it? He's the baby, like apart from Callum Newman. Like, yeah, yeah, no, no, it made it made sense, but I really feel like that if the way, like the way it was done, it just completely just was like, 
okay, United Empire's done after this. Yeah. Like, I but feel yeah. like if, if you did it in reverse of Akira saving Osprey and you then Akira going down on his on his sword, you can have the moment, you could then have that moment that I was talking about on the preview of Osprey coming in being like, yo, you would have won that step up. You saved me, so you're now the leader. So I thought this was going to happen. That's why my tweeting and stuff, because in the post-match comments, the way Akira was making out, he's like, I'm going to do this for my family, for um, my country, for the faction. And I was like, oh, is this cementing Akira as the leader? Because, I mean, it's not done often, but we have had junior yeah. leaders. And I think, again, this is going to be a big thing for the Sapporo matches to see what comes out of that. Because I honestly, I feel like they're not going to put Akira just because he's a baby. But I think with how they're building him, Best of Super Junior, you junior heavyweights better watch out. Because if TJP is really... Because he basically gave them the blessing, didn't he? Yeah. Like, that you can go up to heavyweight. Like, I get it. You can do both. I really think now this is going to be, with Wato out especially, Akira as the top guy in the junior division. Because bloody hell, he deserves it. Yeah, I, I wonder if this was a storyline element. Dustin mentioning Gabe Kid showed leadership in moments of the matchup. Yeah, there was moments of the matchup where Gabe was shouting he was out orders. The orders. Yeah. He's a fucking madman. <laughs> he was the one, he was the one who was more equipped for this type of matchup. So they gave him a leadership position. I kind uh, of forgot Finley was in it sometimes. Who Gabe? No, Finley. Oh yeah. Yeah, I did too. I yeah. Did too. I'm not gonna like, run. Uh, Stu saves the Andrilla looked great in this, but Akira and Gabe are the stars of this. Hope they both got, have uh, good years. Yeah, there was a lot of people that looked really strong in this. I would say from United Empire, Akira and Hanare looked the best. And Can I just then, say, Hanare is so over with those Japanese. Like, he's always been, like, popular. Because he's always been, like, oh, he was a baby face in Hontai, um, raised in the dojo. But holy shit. He is over as hell, and New Japan need to capitalize on this. Yo, New he Japan is... needs to realize how special that match of Gabe and Honore was. Like the the the, I feel like the way that that um Meltzer talked about uh, Shingo and Honore, that should have been the matchup that elevated Honore. But I feel more of the words of how that match elevated more with Hanare with the Gabe Kid match than I did with the Shingo match. I think they're both not similar. Like, they're very different people, but in terms of, like, they've both been doing it for a while. And similarly, Gabe started off, like, he was great. He was getting titles here. But if someone ever said to you, which wrestler is going to be a champion, you'd never say Gabe. Similarly, no. Hanare has always been a hard worker. He's always put on great matches. But when he was with Honta, you'd never say, ah, he's going to be a champion one day. At this stage, if you tell me next year, either Gabe or Hanari is going to be a big champion in New Japan, I wouldn't doubt you. I'd say they deserve it. Yeah, it really feels like either one could be a never open weight or even potentially maybe like a global heavyweight mm -hmm. champion in the year. So good stuff all around uh, other than, yeah. Could have done we, better. We you could have done better for United Empire, Gato. Like, goddamn. I I didn't mind the ending. You know, I'm gonna. Be, I've said this on social media. I feel like sometimes, and especially with the Empire, how they've been built as such a family. Sometimes you don't need that. Do you know what I mean? You don't need the passing. You can just end it nicely. And what happens from now on? There's always going to be that moment. Do you know what I mean? 
But they got them. They got them teaming up in Sapporo with Matt Riddle. Are they gonna have Matt Riddle replace Will Ospreay? Don't don't say that. Otherwise, I'll switch this off. You won't see me for the ending. Don't, don't, don't. Oh my God, New Japan, don't do it. Don't do it, New Japan, please don't. Please. But that, that would mean that Matt Riddle would have to commit to something, and I feel like... Oh, yes, actually, no, you do that. Have him take over the United Empire, but have um, Hanare, Cobb, Okan, TJP, Callum Newman, and Akira leave. They can make their own faction. United, United, bro. Just you know, I, I guess Cobb would probably stay, wouldn't it? Yeah, just United, bro. You know, the two of them. United, 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 bro. Because this is all Cobb's fault. Oh, look at that! The end, there. Oh. It's, all, it's all done. It's all done. It's that. It's like that Will Smith picture of him standing all the really, way. Really, have a little go on Osprey's um Twitter. He's got some really heartwarming words about like each of the members, and like I yeah. was like, I was fine. I thought I'd recover, and then I saw that today after work. I was like, oh, the tears are coming back. This like they broke me again. Damn it! Well, uh, it wasn't even like emotional. Like some of them was like really funny because it's obviously Osprey how he writes and you can hear him saying it. But you can hear the words. Even Okan, he put, tweeted his promo and he went like, "I'm not very good at English. I'm a bit emotional. It's why like." And I'm like, "Oh my god, Okan, don't do this to me." He did like an eight minute promo after his uh, matchup on this show to Which is like crazy. Express himself about his emotions for for uh, Will. So we, you know, they just saw one of the greatest to ever step foot in New Japan Pro Wrestling walk. Mm-hmm. But if you're an AEW fan, you get to enjoy him. And I'm gonna be there live in Greensboro coming up for Revolution, which should be his pay per view debut. His pay per view debut. You're yeah. gonna get. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get straight from the horse mouth. You're gonna have SP3 basically there. Telling you everything in person, and I will tell you off camera after we're done of who I think he's gonna face after I had a conversation with someone that works at AEW this weekend. Huh, so, see, guys, see, see she is, gets the inside, coming. she gets the inside track because I think she's gonna be very happy on who I think it is gonna be. But we gotta tell you what we thought overall about the show, and we want to hear what you guys gotta think because this is just our opinion. This is not the opinion. We want to hear from all of you. So sound off in the live chat with your match of the night, MVP, LVP. Whether you gave the show a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle, and out of ten, what did you give the show? And of course, final call for super chat donations. Thank you once again to everyone who showed their support so far. But for me and Sanal, for NJPW, new beginning in Osaka. Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle in three, two, one. Thumbs up across the board from both of us. Sanal, out of ten, what did you give the show? Nine and a half. Wow. Nine Just and a half. I, I know that there's a few matches that thing, but I feel like with the, the Danielson and Zach's match alone... And I loved the main event, even though it was nothing that I normally like. And then <laughs> Tana and Okada, and then even like the tag matches. Like, yeah, I wait. No, maybe maybe nine, nine. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I'm at. I'm at. I'm at a solid. I'm ahead of myself with nine point five. Yeah, because because a nine point five is what I gave Wrestle Kingdom, and I felt <laughs> Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom, Kingdom was very good. Yeah, Wrestle Kingdom overall was the better show, but this show had the better match. Mm. Like, that, that, that's match the, best of the year, way. match of 
New Japan match of their careers. Can't fault it. Can't fault it at all. So I, I'm going to go, I'm, and this is really based off the final two matches, really elevated it very highly. Because before before probably the final two matches, I'm at like a seven on this show. Yeah. Seven is like the best eight, I can go. Probably like I'm a six crying. and a half. Eight if I'm crying because like the tears from Tanahashi in card. That's true. That's true. That is true. But yeah, this really elevated this show, the final two matches. So I would go with a nine out of 10. Very memorable show. Like uh, Big Man Dog said here in the chat, we got Dustin who says eight out of 10. Safet says nine out of 10. And Frantic World says eight out of 10. So we're all in the same way uh, for sure. And Boy Wonder, I mentioned that. I mentioned that earlier. I said that she- Alex Windsor. Yes, Love Alex it. Windsor. Alex Windsor got the big hug in the middle of the ring with Osprey. She was st- sitting there ringside having to watch that brutality in that cage match. I definitely mentioned Alex Windsor. Yeah, Just we did. We did rewind back. Rewind we did. back if you we did. Always mention Alex Windsor. Great wrestler. Absolutely. Uh, and what was your match of the night, Sonal? Yeah, it was obviously House of Torture versus Hondai. Obviously. Don't do this to me. <laughs> it was obviously Zack Sabre Jr. versus Danielson. Like that was something special. Like not many people get to win. And I think if anyone had asked me, like, give me one New Japan match you'd want me to watch, and like maybe all they'd ever watched was WWE, and they knew I'd give them that one. Yeah, because I feel like they've got the familiar face in Danielson, but it's at the core of it, it's something completely different to what they'll ever have seen. That is a great way to to talk about that matchup. I'm going to tell people they need to watch that damn match. Uh, Power Driver Finisher saying 10 judging off of only watching Danielson's ESJ match. I would say if you're short on time, Power Driver Finisher, watch the main event and Tanahashi and Okada. Just if you want to be emotional, isn't it? Yeah. If you want to be emotional and see blood torture uh, in the main event, that that's for you. But yeah, definitely match of the night, match of the year so far for me, Zack Sabre Jr., Brian Danielson, too. An incredible technical wrestling masterclass. There's a clinics and then there's masterclass. These are two masters showing the whole entire world how to do it. They, Nobody they, else could do it apart from them. Only no, they. no other two guys can have that type of matchup. No other two guys. No, because it was literally like, yes, Matt Base is normally slower, but no one can do a 35-minute Matt Base match, submission-based match, and have you hooked on every minute without wanting to look away. There were people online who said, I'm putting my phone down for this one, um, just because it was beautiful. Big man dog saying, also, I like how they removed the sponsors for the main event. Yeah, it made it more of like an unsanctioned type matchup than removing the, sponsors the line. Are like, we're, not, we're not being associated with this. <laughs> you're sorry, you got boards popping out of the ring. What are you doing? Uh, you're MVP for the show, Sanal. Akira. I know, I know, I could have easily said Zach or Danielson, but they're established stars. We know they're always going to put on. Akira throughout this entire tour, the lead up to it has just been phenomenal. And I could easily say Hanari as well, but for me personally, like Akira really shined. And um, the fact today he was on this, the Fantastic Amania show. <laughs> like, how is he? Like, he didn't do he wasn't much. even the main event? Yeah, he didn't do much. Like, it was a multi man tag match. But God, if that was me, I wouldn't get out of bed for like a week. He is bugging. I commend he's, the young he's man. He's so talented. He's so charismatic. He 
he he's now got the balance of the innocent young one but also his ability to be that top guy yeah. and yeah i never watched akira in all japan but holy god like at such a young age it seems unfair to be that good and he seems to have this maturity about him yeah he really a lot does. of bosses will say that they didn't i think even like osprey would say like at that age he wouldn't have had anywhere near that <laughs> yeah and he has made many times he is he is he's really kind of he's really kind of showing showing out right now at the best time for him right before the best of super juniors and the rest of the year for new japan pro wrestling so i'm very much looking forward to what akira is going to do he's an honorable mention for me for mvp my mvp for this show i'm gonna give it to the bullet club overall not just yeah. the war dogs because Although I don't agree with the decision, they did win the tag team titles on this show as well. They won the tag team titles, completely destroyed one of the other great uh, factions in the company in United Empire, and won the Steel Cage War. Bullet Club is the MVP of this show. LVP, on the other hand, is Kenta and Chase Owens. Um... <laughs> While they are in the MVP, they also can have this LVP. It's the first award. time. It's the first time. <laughs> Might be a first time for everything. Who's your LVP? I mean, now I'm gonna say it's the House of Torture. Uh, the match was fine, but like, I still, I, you know, what? I've got hope for show. I, I feel, I, you know what, guys, form a prayer circle with me that like this Despy match, we're gonna see. The shock arrow, like I, even a little bit of it. Let me see the person that, like, why I bought my Rapunky 3K. Why Rapunky 3K was my favorite group in wrestling history. I know, I know, I remember. I see it on the wall. I see it somewhere on the wall. Oh, um, no, the wall but they, they went. They came down. Oh, they came down. Oh, no, damn. Actually, they were never on my wall, mainly because when I met them, it wasn't officially. It was out. So I have a picture with them. But nothing signed because there's no like the ones up there are obviously from the official meet and greets. Yeah, but I just met them on the street and I remember Yo said he liked my converses. So sure, yeah, and yes, I do know that House of Torture is part of the Bullet Club. That's why it was very begrudgingly that I gave it to the Bullet Club because I knew that would also include them. But they did win their match, so I'm not wrong. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, LVP is Chase and Kenta for having me sit through that damn matchup. After all the multi-man matchups earlier in the card, it's like, God damn, I have to sit through this crap. Uh, but yes, that brings us to a close on our review here. Thank you so much to Sanal. Thank you so much to everyone watching. Sanal, the floor is yours. Let everybody know where they can follow you on social media and what you got going on on your channel. Yeah, so you can subscribe to me on YouTube at Sanal's Life. I posted a review of the show last night um i should be slightly more active from now on but you can also follow me at wrestling underscore chat i have a poll up at the moment of who should be the leader of the united empire with four answers that are all correct and i'll let you go to my social media to see what those options are but yeah you can follow me on there there you'll see if i'm on true heel heat when new videos coming out and i always live tweet during the shows boom Go over and check out Sanal. She's doing great work. Sanal's live. Great work on Ace Techers and great work here. So thank you, everyone who joined us live. You can follow me on demand. I mean, oh, excuse me, on the Twitter, <laughs> Twitter machine. 
uh, at uh, True Heel SP3. Follow the gang Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at True Heel Heat. Patreon.com forward slash True Hill Heat. $3 a month gets you exclusive content, the True Hill Heat Prediction Championship, and more. And check out all the great content we got on the channel right now. Collision Discourse from yesterday. The True Hill Heat flagship podcast is up on the homepage. So check all of that out. And we got a special video dropping, I believe, tomorrow on the True Hill Heat Sports YouTube channel, announcing a big change to that channel over there. So stay tuned for that. I will be back here tomorrow, 2.05 p.m. Eastern Time, to review Monday Night Raw with Romeo. So for Sanal, we'll be back with Sanal, I guess, and Jay News. What is this? Is it next week or the week after? Week after. the week after. Yeah, yes. week after. I'm trying to, yeah, that's because that's 23rd, 24th. That's Friday, Saturday. Mm -hmm. So we would have it's to so do late. it. Yeah, it's we would have to do it early Friday. in the week. So we would have to do it, like, probably next Monday or something yeah. like that. But see you then, force and all. It is me, it is me, your true hill phenom, SP3. This has been our NJPW New Beginning in Osaka Review. We are signing off until next time.